So you know that thing where a guy has a podcast and he decides not to record one for a whole month and then all his friends come into town, so he decides to start recording them again during the busiest time of year? Well, that's kind of what this is. So welcome to wherever you are. Welcome back to the Matinee Cast and specifically welcome to the series we call Wicked Little Town. Um, dedicated to the goings-on at the Toronto International Film Festival, the 40th annual Toronto International Film Festival happening right now until next Sunday, September 20th, in my hometown of Toronto, Canada. Um, we are at the Rivoli on Queen West in Toronto, and I'm joined by one of my very, very dearest friends, somebody who I literally talk to every single day, but never face-to-face, -face. so I'm so dearly excited that she's back. Jess Rogers from the Real Insight Podcast from uh, Cinema Axis, and occasionally my own site, The Matinee, is here. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm really happy to be back. I, I, I'm sure you can tell. I gave yes. you a great big hug when you got here. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a great old time. Um, we're, we're changing up the format. If you're a long-time listener of the show, um, hey, thanks for tuning in. Um, but you may remember in the past what we've done is picked one film on um, the TIFF editions to talk about at length and then went on to talk about our week. And I'm kind of throwing that out. What I want to do instead is make these a series of postcards where I just sit down and we end up talking. We, we may very well talk about one specific film for a little longer, but I want to talk about just our week on the whole. So uh, we realized... I want to say Monday or Tuesday, that it had actually been three years since you've uh, been back. Um, thanks for, for making the, the long drive again. Yep. Um, and you were saying in the interim, it wasn't for lack of interest, it was just, you know, you're a professor, so yes. September is not exactly a quiet time for you. No, and I don't control my schedule, so not having Mondays or Fridays off. I really need one of them off to make the whole trip worth it, yeah. to buy the package and get the tickets yeah. and everything. And speaking of, like, it's not exactly a cheap vacation. No. That's that's come under a lot of scrutiny. I, you know, I still believe that what we get for our money as, as filmgoers and filmgoers who know people here, you're you're kind of, you're, you're basically paying for like a weekend of hanging out with your friends and seeing some cool stuff. Yes. If it was just the the cinema experience, I yeah, you're right. I don't know that it's worth it. Oh, I disagree. No? No, for the money Okay, from someone who comes from a very small town where some of these things are not ever going to show up. Okay. There is no price for the tickets that I really I saw that argument on Twitter when the prices came out and uh, thanks to the strong American dollar, my tickets were cheaper. Right. <laughs> but, um, no, $16 a ticket is not even a blink. It'd have no. to be more like $25, $35 a ticket okay. before I would really start thinking twice. Which For are, me, it's the trap. Yeah, and, and, and which is funny because it's not even that far. You can drive it. I can drive right? it, but you got to stay uh, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is true. Um, but, like, I mean, we even, leading into this week, we were talking with our friend Simon Collum, who was talking about how tickets for London Film Festival I can't are, believe are, what are they, $50 American yeah. each? Yeah. So, you know, in, in the long run, we're still coming out ahead. Oh, way ahead. Um, I, I think we're coming out ahead, especially, I mean, I got The Martian on a screen that's normally in a opera 
opera, no, symphony opera space. Yeah, no, you got it, yeah. Yeah, in 3D for $16. Yeah. Like, Not bad. I'm okay with that. Yeah. That, that's a good price for what we're talking about. So um, so you finally made it back, so, so, I did. so, so welcome. Um, how's, how's your weekend been going? You're only do, you're only here until Monday night, so you're, right. doing, you're, you're doing what I usually recommend to people, and I even think I recommended yep. it to you for the first time, is just come into town for the weekend. Yeah. You know, a lot happens on that opening weekend, um, and that's basically, for the, the both times you've done it, how you chose to attack it. Yes. I mean, for timing and everything. But the other thing is, I don't know that as a newbie to the city, I could do much more of entertaining myself between um, screenings, so that that, like having the extra time between screenings when I'm dedicating my weekend to going to the movies isn't as useful after like three days. After three days, I've done all of the things around the movie direct, like center oh, okay, okay. that I could do in the time I've got. Gotcha, Otherwise, okay. I'd have to spend more time to like do other things. Right, right. So I think it works out. And about three days in, I'm like, I've walked all these streets like four times. I'm, <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, I, yeah. That's it's it's. I've never thought about it that way of making the trip like a week in Toronto. Right. Right. I've never thought about it of okay, I'm gonna do my my screenings after five. I'm right. gonna do touristy stuff during the day. And there is a lot. Oh, there's tons. There's like, tons. Yeah, I, I could send you in all kinds of different directions right. that you haven't gone yet. Oh, absolutely. But in terms of dedicating it to doing this. Um, but the other thing I wanted to tell you is I like the new format that you have suggested because <laughs> it's actually much more like a conversation we have in line waiting for the next screening. Okay. And I that's, think it's cool. That's that's what I've I'm had hoping it repeatedly. For. Yeah, that, that I like is, it. Yeah, I think I even said this to you. I was like, you're going to say all this all over again <laughs> in two hours. Earlier, yeah. Um, how has your weekend been? Fantastic. I have seen some big stuff. I've seen some odd stuff. And I've seen things that would never have made it to my local theater. Now, um, you're reminding me, sorry, I do want to hear more of that answer, but just going back a second when you're saying like $16 to see stuff that you wouldn't see, even in a even in a Netflix and Amazon Prime age, mm-hmm. like you, you, you want to still be able to see it in a theater. I would love to be able to see it in okay. a theater, but like... We have one 3D theater yeah. within a hundred miles, right. and it is about is half the size of what we saw today. The theater we were in at the Lightbox today—it's half that size. Okay. I got to see 3D on essentially an IMAX screen, yeah. sort of, or yeah, an yeah. IMAX theater yeah. experience. Okay. No, just because I know a lot of people who are like, well, everything shows up on on demand now anyway. Like there there are actually theaters. <laughs> There are movies playing here that will be on Amazon, or sorry, on Netflix before the month is out. And on demand. Yeah. Really fast. Yeah. No, so, no. But, no, but you still want the experience. No, I absolutely want the okay. experience. Um, seeing some of them, like seeing The Martian, where we were sitting, there was like just enough ambient light that you never forgot that you were in a cinema, in a symphony space. Yeah. Just enough. But then you still had these amazing 3D glasses on. Like, we had to, they were chipped, and we had to return them afterward because right. they were so, like, secure about them. Yeah. And it was awesome. Like, they were a far cry from those old paper, one no, blue, one like, red. Yeah, nothing like that. They were, like, insane. And it made the whole experience amazing in terms of that. And then seeing the Danish girl today, again in the same space, but down on the floor instead of in the balcony, I was very much aware of we are in this huge experience together. Yeah. And then when the whole auditorium stood up when Tom Hooper came out afterward for the Q&A, it was like, this is why you come to big movies. Okay. It was amazing. See, like, and, uh, 
like you know sometimes I think I'm crazy because I'm the one person you know being the the optimist go-getter on Twitter saying no guys it's about community and I figure that sometimes people are just rolling their eyes but you're saying that that is actually true and sometimes you don't realize it until you have to go a long time without oh absolutely until you've gone a very long time without um, I keep ending up seeing movies at 10am on a Thursday when nobody else is there and even if I attempt to go at 7 o'clock at my local theater I'm in somebody's large living room screening room because that's how small our theaters have had to get in order to have enough theaters to actually stay open yeah so uh, you know since you brought them up we might as well ask a few of your thoughts what did, how, yes. how did the Martian work out? I had read the book like within the last month and couldn't put it down and I really really liked the 3D really? I thought it really worked and I do not care for 3D okay. in general I don't think it's effective what yeah. was it about that 3D that you dug? It's like you mentioned subtlety. It, that's a big part of it. It's a, it's it's not the nothing comes out at you except when his at the beginning he's the reason he ends up on Mars is he's hit as they're trying to escape Mars during a storm and that stuff comes out at you. Everything else goes out from the screen, goes into the screen. It's about depth. Yes. Okay. And you get the Martian landscape in depth. And I can't imagine what this is going to be on an IMAX screen. If I can find one and drive to it, it might actually be worth it. Is, is it around your Philly trip? Because that might be worth it. Oh, the... that would work. There we go. It could be. That's me. Thank you. Awesome. People who are new to this show, we do eat while we record. <laughs> uh, we will try to keep our chewing to a minimum um, as we as we talk. But uh, you know, time is precious this week. Yeah. Um, I imagine like Matt Damon's got to do a lot of heavy lifting, so I imagine Matt brings his uh, his Damon charm to the proceedings. Oh, absolutely. Um, the character has to be very funny and sort of offbeat, and yet. He's alone, so he has to talk to either himself or um, the video. They did a video diary. The right. book is all told in uh, a written diary. Yeah, it's all it's all text log. Right. Which he still like in the in the book, he still logs onto the log and like logs some crazy stuff. Right. Like there's one time where he's actually typing about the rerun, the TV reruns that he's watching. Yes. So and does that get included? Is he watching reruns? Yes. Awesome. Oh, absolutely. The Fonz is there. Exactly. And, um, he did a good job of that. They did a good job of balancing the... De- that was another thing, is that the computer screen that you're looking at him recording on mm-hmm. had the depth thanks to the 3D, so okay. that it was very much, here's the screen, here's him behind you, right. um, actually showing the depth of him sitting away and not being distracting as a computer screen you're looking at. It worked really well. Yes. Uh, was anybody there for that one? No, sadly, nobody showed, nobody showed up. Wow, like... That's the one thing. I mean, if you're coming to see famous people and not knocking you, that is one thing that the Lord knows drives the economy of this festival. And people and people love. They you know they love to hang around and get pictures and get autographs. If that's your thing. Go for it. But um, it's it's a crapshoot because people don't always meet their schedules. People don't always, especially when it comes to like later ones, they right. don't always show up. So well, seeing Tom Hooper after the Danish Girl today was a huge surprise and. I gotta admit, some of the Q&As, it's fun to see the famous person, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but if it's just a director or actors I haven't heard of because I saw a foreign film or something like that, most of the Q&As can be quite the same. How Mm -hmm. did you get interested in the project? How did you prepare for this? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. They're quite similar, one after the other. Right. But 
Tom Hooper was so personal about it. He was so detailed about why he'd made certain choices in a way I've never heard a professional talk about his work. Which he, was um, really nice. And we were saying earlier, he's facing a lot of scrutiny right now for why he didn't cast a trans actor in the part. Um, we were saying, mercifully, nobody brought that up, just because I think... Yeah. While I do believe that that is a conversation worth having, I also believe that there's a time and place. Right. And standing in front of a few thousand moviegoers is maybe not the time or place to do it. Right. And part of what he... Part of what he described with that, and what made, which I totally agree with having seen the movie, is that there were levels of authenticity that he had to really be male, and he barely makes the transition. It's more about the process going into the transition. So, casting a trans um, female would not necessarily have made complete sense. Not to get crude, but the work is done. Right, exactly. So it would have required the trans female to essentially revert back to dressing as a male so much of the movie. Because he really is male most of the movie. It's about what he's going through to get there. And Um, it's so good. Okay, well I'm going to let you eat for a second while I talk about some of the stuff I've seen. I um, I got my week off on... um, with the opening film, it's, I almost never see the opener, um, just because the tip opener actually kind of got a dubious distinction for a while of being not so great, but they turned... Really? The, yeah. Like, I mean, the opener last year was The Judge, oh. which is nice, but it's that's that's the thing. It's just nice, yeah. right? Um, this year, the opener was Demolition, um, which is... a good thing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's by the director of uh, Wild and Dallas Buyers Club, Jean-Marc Vallée. Um, Canadians know him better as the director of movies like Crazy and Cafe de Floor, both of which I adore. And he got up there and he said, this is the most rock and roll movie I ever made. <laughs> to which I audibly let out the word, whoa. Because <laughs> that is a heavy, heavy distinction to a man, for a man who has had just huge budgets for the, for the rock music that he puts in his movies. Um, oh, and it's, it's actually I didn't know what you meant. That's yeah. very interesting. Well, and he, he meant it from the top down. He meant it that it's rock and roll in its editing, in its philosophy, in its acting, and, yes, on its soundtrack. And as I watched it play out, I was like, yeah, okay, I see what you're talking about because this is another movie. We just came from a movie, Five Nights in Maine, about a husband grieving the death of his wife. This was another movie about a husband grieving the death of his wife. I've had a theme this week, and I I actually kind of wanted to stop because as somebody who's not seen that many movies with his wife, this is starting to really hit a nerve. Um, But the death... So so Jake Gyllenhaal plays the husband, and the death of his wife is actually handled with an awful lot of absurd humor. Like, he grieves and he processes by way of letters to a vending machine company that stole his dollar in the emergency room. Really? Yeah. So he, he writes to... He starts writing to get his dollar back like the emergency room where his wife was being treated after the accident wow he starts writing to get his dollar back and then he just gets like soul searchingly honest and and just keeps on writing letters to them telling about his life his wife what was going on and it was very rock and roll really absurd I can't imagine it would play as funny in your 10am show with four people but it's it's hilarious and I I was really really happy that I got that one I I was worried I thought it was one of these ones that might not work. 
you saw the trailer for it, so when you're... Oh, you didn't? Nope. Okay. Nope. That was one of the reasons I did not put it on my short list. Okay. I mean, the timing wouldn't quite have worked out for me to see the opening, clearly, but it's a playing. Yeah, so... But it looked very dark. Everybody has a different method for choosing their films. I know people who will read the synopsis top to bottom, look at the cast, the crew, watch the trailer, look at the picture, and then put it on a yes, no, or maybe column. Yeah. And if that works for you, go crazy. I actually play things very shoot from the hip. This is the one time a year where I get to know very, very little. So if, if there's a trailer, I won't watch it. I'll post it. <laughs> but, but I won't watch cheater, it. Cheater. Yeah. Um, and I know I, it came out, the, the trailer dropped a week before the festival started okay. and I hadn't watched it. So I just knew it was about a dude who liked to wreck shit. I didn't even know completely of the whole grieving process. I, I you know, I was kind of sketchy on the details. I just, I love that director. Yeah. And he's a guy, anytime he brings a movie, I'm going to go see. So nice. that's, that's work for me. You know, it, it as we go into these movies with so much expectation. Yeah. You know, it's dangerous. the conversation is at a fever pitch the Tuesday before they draw, right? The conversation around these movies online, when you start following people who are critics, it gets, you know, there's, there's a, we're, we're having one. We're having conversation right this moment about one movie that's not going to come out for a month, one movie that's going to come out at Christmas, and one movie that's coming out next year. But we're not talking about them in terms, like, we're not getting deep into depth. Right. So I'm hopeful that we'll stoke some anticipation. I know a lot of times you know half of the people's philosophies about them going in. So, um, the Danish Girl worked for you as well? I really liked it. Um, I think Alicia... Vikander. Vikander, thank you. Alicia Vikander is going to deserve her Oscar when she gets it. And okay. if she isn't even nominated, I may have to boycott the Oscars forever. <laughs> will, she be, will she be best lead or best supporting lead? She could easily be best lead. Okay. She is very um, on par with him. In fact, I think... If they're in not terms on, of like screen time yes, and everything? Yes, in terms of screen time and the push, because it's very much... I would argue that she might be the Danish girl of the title. I thought she was. Well, I... It's, it's I, in dispute. I, I saw it with a friend, Alexa, and Alexa believes he's the Danish girl completely. Okay. But for me, it, it was arguable, arguably about her. Right. Um, about her love story, about a woman in the 20s in Copenhagen trying to have a career. And Tom Hooper talked about that a lot after the film, saying that was revolutionary in and of itself. The fact that she was also so loving and supportive of her husband going through this process. Yeah. For quite a long time. Yeah, no kidding. Holy um, like, she's one of the original impetus of why he first publicly dresses as a woman. Okay. Let alone becoming a woman. Right. And her trying to further her own career and him being supportive of that in his own way because it's actually her drawing Lily, the um, trans, trans woman, woman, that stokes her career in the way it does. So I thought that fascinating. Watching just the way the dynamics came down was amazing. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I, it, it's not about the concept of being trans exactly. But that will come up. Yeah, yeah. The, that, love story, that the love story is a big part of it. Yeah, that conversation this year has reached a fever pitch. So I think, yeah. I don't, you know, obviously they can't plan it because these things are usually at least two years in the shoot. Right. 
right. But congratulations well, on your timing. I, I have improved my timing because I actually saw another trans movie last night called Girls Lost, which, which I keep I, calling Lost Girls. <laughs> I'm seeing that at the, at the end of the week, but tell people a little bit about that. So it's billed very rightly as a fairy tale. So there are three girls in Sweden, Sweden one would guess, although it's almost anywhere in Europe. It's very, it's not specific to Sweden. Okay. And they're three best friends. They potentially, they're about 13. They potentially might become um, homosexual uh, when the uh, ability arises to actually have sex with somebody, okay. let's say. But they're teased as being lesbians as a group in school. Very, very bullied. And they plant their, one of their, one of the main character, Kim's friends, Bella, has a greenhouse left to her by her mother and she plants um, plants and then one of them grows and it releases a sap that they drink just out of whim you know the way that kids do in yeah, the sense yeah. that I'm what poisoning that myself like? yeah. right oh what if I die you know that sort of thing and for about 12 hours they turn into males very Indistinct, like they resemble themselves, but they do not look like themselves. No one recognizes them as okay. the female version of them. That does sound like a fairy tale. Like when it you is. frame it that yeah, way, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's a poisoned mm-hmm. food to consume. You know, there's there's a what if factor to it, right? Um, and then Kim becomes obsessed with it because she describes it probably the best version of trans I've ever heard, or even sexually questioning. That she feels like somewhere on her there's a zipper that she's just too afraid to pull. Oh wow! That would unleash. That's that's very elegant. Like it, it was. It's very nicely put, and a lot of the dialogue is similar to that. Although every now and then, like a high school after school special comes on and interrupts some of that dialogue. So it's not perfect, but it's bringing a very important conversation forward in a metaphorical way. Is anybody involved with the film here for it? Um. Yes. The director was there, and just the director, and maybe the DP, one of the other technical. Is that directed by a dude? No, a lovely woman, an older woman. Okay, because we just came, we just came from a film I mentioned already, uh, Five Nights in Maine, which was directed by a woman as well. And during the Q and A for this movie, uh, David Oyelowo, who most people probably know by now as uh, Martin Luther King in Selma. He expressed that he owes a great deal of his career to, uh, he, he said, I'm a beneficiary of female filmmakers. And, um, you know, he's done a lot of work with Ava. He did this film uh, with, with, a, with a new up-and-comer. This is her first feature. There's that. And and Tiff is trying to, to put the fire on female filmmakers. They're still a little low. Like I know, for instance, when the full slate was, was unveiled, the docs programmer went on Twitter and patted himself on the back saying, hey, look at all the film- female filmmakers we have in the docs program. Unfortunately, all the female filmmakers, quote, was still 40%. <laughs> it's like, close! And, you know, awesome. And congratulations on it being the industry where female filmmakers are by far making the most inroads, but still not quite good enough. So, you know, th- very good. Great, thank, thank you. you. Um, so there, it's. Oyelowo said he's like 
this has come to a forefront this year. Right. And, I, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, I feel that's come to a forefront this year. I feel <laughs> the trans conversation has come to a forefront this year. Yeah. And it will be very interesting to sit down the next time you come here, whether it's next year, the year after, the year after, and see where that's at with yeah. the festival and with, with filmmaking on the whole because this is, this is the Petri dish. Right. I feel like where film is concerned, this is the greatest potential place for something like that to succeed. They're not necessarily going to come to your little, no. you know, one room, four person on a Monday right. theater, but here they get a chance where they can do things like that. So and how then, good, and then make it, there. and then trickle down. So how good can you do here? Yeah, you know, I feel like Tiff, they're doing good things, but they still have a way to go. Yeah, you know, features they really have a much further way to go, but it's good that they're bringing in stuff like. Um, like Lost Girls, mm-hmm. um, Girls Lost, Girls Lost, son of a bitch, um, and some of the ones that I'm seeing. Yeah, um, the last one I saw actually was um, a, a last minute sort of switch yeah. and a lighter fare. Okay. Um, I do try to see things from other cultures if I can because those definitely will never come yeah. to our town. Um, and I saw a New Zealand film called Born to Dance. Okay, so I watched the trailer for that one yesterday. Nice. Um, yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it sort of looks like sort of looks a lot like Step Up. It is. Okay. Yep. All right. It is. Step How up. was that? It was exactly what you'd expect from a first-time filmmaker. It was he, the director is an actor who appeared in Whale Rider and a couple other New Zealand films. Okay. And this was his first feature. And the actor was his first or second feature. Um, and it's absolutely the coming of age. Like, um, two is the main character's name. He's a hip-hop dancer, and he has a crew in the lower-income part of Auckland. Okay. And they're competing for the national champ- or the regional championships because they don't have dreams of the national championships with... K-Crew has won for like five years. But then... This totally doesn't sound like my kind of movie. No. But but please please keep going. But then two... A friend of his releases a video on YouTube of two dancing and he's invited to audition for K-Crew. And we get to see a ton of really cool dancing including nationals which you know how it ends. And I'm not even going to need to spoil it. Uh, I'm pretty sure there are several episodes of So You Think You Can Dance on my PBR that I could watch instead. This is really good dancing. (laughs) I mean, I know nothing about what I'm talking, so maybe okay. not, but man, is it fun to watch. I, I am married to somebody who showed me that trailer Absolutely. last night, so, you know. So, it was good. Um, along with the new format of, of the of the Wicked Little Town episodes, I'm also ending with a different note. Um, and I'm ending with somebody that, something that in my brain I'm just calling the milk and cookies, mm-hmm. where I want to talk about outside of what we're watching and just talk about the week itself. Um, and, and just kind of like things that we've happy little moments little rainbows that made us smile things that happened to us through the course of the week um, and I, I'm actually going to start so I'll give you time one okay. again to eat and two uh, to think because okay. I just sprung that part on you I didn't tell you that we were doing no. that um, and my, my, my milk and cookies for this week has actually been and this is going to sound remarkably strange because I know I've said some version of this before but it, it has been being able to watch some of these movies with the larger community on the whole, with people who I tweet with and blog with and whatnot. And it's not because I don't get to do that, because, shit, I get to do that all the time. <laughs> it's just that I find, in a fluke occurrence, 
I scheduled myself sort of off axis to a lot of people. So I am now nine screenings in and I have seen three three events by myself. That is triple the amount I saw all of Tip Top 14. And you're Tip- happy about this? No, oh. that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking around for people. I'm looking at the line. I keep my eyes up. I'm not reading my book. I'm like, where is everybody? So it, it's made me appreciate so much more the community on the whole and when I get to watch things with other people because there were a few years there at the beginning where I was primarily seeing stuff by myself or, you know, the, the half bit of overlap or whatnot. So, yeah, as much as I've come on this show in the past and said, I love how much the community comes together for this and how it's changed everything since 2009 when this whole thing really got found a new gear, um, I, I, I kind of had to get pulled away from it to really appreciate, you know, not that I have any qualms with watching a movie by myself. <laughs> But just when I know that the rest of y'all are watching it in clumps of twos and threes and tens sometimes for like the midnight, I was like, oh man, I want to reschedule stuff. So that, that's why Milk and Cookie is being able, like this afternoon, you, myself, and Courtney Small yeah. watching movies together for the first time ever, yeah. even though we've been talking to one another since like 2009. Yeah. Right? You guys edit my shit all the time. Sorry, stuff that's all the time. That's fine. <laughs> um, but what, like, your, your week on the whole, what's within your Milk and Cookies for... For your experience at TIFF? Um, one of the things I always, you guys always talk about meeting the people in line and being really cool about that. And that is not my natural instinct to no? talk to people in line. No, no, no. I'm a New Yorker. Okay. It's like, keep your head down and shut up. Find your pace in line, don't push anybody. <laughs> and I've been really trying, and it's been fun. I've had these similar conversations about what you saw, how did it go. I met a young woman today who's studying for her nutrition exams and I'm a biology professor so this was cool we chatted and then we also met um, let's say we my friend Alexa and I um, met a young man who came to both screenings with us yesterday we were in line with him at the first one and then we saw him at the second one and now we're friends on Twitter and he's wicked cool so I, I value the fact that I reached out a little more than my natural inclination would be to nice. do. Yes, well, um, yeah, definitely the people at this festival. I always say it's, it's the best thing about it. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to leave it there for this one. We're going to have at least two more at least before the week is out, maybe even three or four, depending on how things shake down. Um, I mean, even if, if you've heard about our legendary pub night, I'm going to try something tomorrow, which may or may not work. So um, check in on Tuesday and... There might be something for you. Uh, but for now, if you want to join us here at TIFF, you can, if you're in the city or within the Toronto area, you can go to tiff.net and uh, see about shows. I highly recommend it. New tickets go on, available on sale at 7 a.m. every morning, so you can jump in on stuff that might seem like it's sold out. Uh, check my site for coverage, thematinee.ca. Uh, it's all over the main page right now, audio and written. Uh, your coverage of this, you're going to talk a little bit about it on Real Insight, I'm sure. And then it'll be on Cinema Access this week and next week. Very, very cool. Um, and if people did want to find you on Twitter, where can they find you? They can find me at in underscore entertain because my former blog used to be Insight into Entertainment. So it once made sense, it no longer does, I'm realizing. It's all cool. For Jess Rogers, I'm Ryan McNeil. We'll see you at the matinee and at TIFF.